This is Work on the Beat. It is Friday. Thank God. May 15th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern, who will join us in a minute. Glad you could join us on your favorite podcast as we continue to roll on through. A lot of developments going on. We'll get to that in a minute with our guest, Bob Ford, the retiring columnist of the Philadelphia Inquirer, a good friend of the podcast, has been a good friend of all of ours for a long, long time now. Uh, a great man on a road trip. We'll talk to that Bob about that. We'll talk about the state of the games as we look towards maybe basketball resuming soon as the NBA appears to keep signaling they have momentum to resuming this season. The NHL, Gary Bettman saying he has no circumstances right now that has in his mind that he will cancel the Stanley Cup playoffs. But baseball is a little different, and baseball and college football appear to be the two that could have some major problems here on the COVID-19 front. So we'll talk to Bob about that. Then Mike and I will talk about the upcoming weekend, NASCAR returns this weekend, exhibition golf, some Bundesliga. I never thought I'd say that on this podcast, but Bundesliga returns. So there's a decent number of events, and it's starting to, in some corners of the world, you could tell that things are, are opening up. The question is, when will it open up for in whole for the United States and for the major pro and college outlets? That's going to be the big debate, and that's going to be the one thing that is going to determine a lot here as we move on. But when we get back, it'll be Bob Ford from the Philadelphia, formerly of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Boy, sounds funny to say that. And Mr. Kern, join me. We'll talk some memories. We'll talk about the state of the games now as we approach in our third month without them. That's next as we're going to be continues right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work It to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work It to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, along with Mr. Kern, who is on the other end of the line, is the award-winning veteran columnist from the Philadelphia Inquirer, who last two weeks ago uh, retired. Uh, his last article appeared last Sunday, and uh, road trips will never be the same without him. It's Bob Ford. Bob, how are you? Doing pretty good, guys. The life on the other side's not that bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> lots of prickly pear margaritas. No, you got to watch that. If you start that before like eleven in the morning, you got a problem. So I've I've been cutting, I've been cutting back. So let's get the top question right out. What was what was the driving force now between behind you? I mean, you have said on Twitter it was your call. Um, why now? A lot of people would ask. <laughs> and you can tell them well, it's none of, of their business, but I mean, go ahead. Well, it's none of their damn business. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, and, and the, 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 no, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I know that I, I look incredibly youthful and, and vibrant, but I'm, I'm 65 and I was, I'm, I was waiting till 
I hit full social, which was at 66, which was going to be this December. And I was planning on, on retiring in December. And probably largely because of, of what's going on in the country right now, I think the Enquirer was looking to, to shed some people without, you know, laying them off or furloughing them or doing some of those things that we're seeing other companies doing. So they offered a really good separation uh, uh, buyout package, whatever you want to call it. And I looked at it, and I turned it over, and I looked at it again, and then I looked at it a third time, and then I, I said, yeah, I'm out. I'm out, man. So uh, it was just my timing was pretty close anyway, and this was a very fair and equitable deal, and uh, the Enquirer couldn't have handled it with more uh, class, especially since, you know, as I said, there's a lot of companies, especially a lot of media companies out there that are just dumping people uh you know, left and right. So, you know, I feel really fortunate. I had a great run and uh, totally my call and I'm totally at peace. With it. Well, before, before we get, uh, I let Mike get in here, but I should point out, Bob is in a little bit of a remote location. So if you hear the sound cutting in and out, that's just the connection. So, okay. That's because he wants to be as far away from us as possible. That's I don't possible. blame him at all. <laughs> he's he's, wherever, yeah. the good, well, he's been... wherever the good crabs are, the big crabs. I've been, I've been trying to socially distance myself from people for years. So this is this is nothing new for me. <laughs> Bob, so you'll like this. I I I told Kevin this at the end of our last podcast when we knew you were coming on. I actually went and looked it up today. The Temple Virginia Tech game, November two thousand three, and for some reason you were down there writing a column about a one in nine Temple team playing the twelve, and I'm down there for whatever reason. On a Saturday that I don't know, Temple comes from 17 down in the fourth quarter, ties it, goes overtime. They tie it again, and you look at me, you turn around, and I said they should go for two, and you agreed, and then they line up the kick for one, and you said, they can't miss this, can they? i like, of course they can, and they clanked it off the upright, and you started writing, and they were on every highlight show that night for missing an extra point. <laughs> and you said, I never forget you looking at me, they can't miss this, can they? <laughs> yeah, well, you you had seen a lot more Temple football, a lot more Temple football than I had. It, you knew you knew they were capable of anything, man. Yeah, that was that was around the time Temple football almost didn't exist. Correct, Mike? Um, yeah. Well, that was when Bobby was getting ready to get phased out. That might have even been one of Bobby's. I think he had one more season or I, two. I don't know. I love but I they, love phased out. He got well, fired. We were in Neverland. You know, they were they they. They were about to become an independent, I think. Maybe the Big East had kicked them out. And I, you know, I'm down there in November, and I looked over, and here's Bob. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. There has to be something better going on today. But he was there, and we laughed a lot, as we always did. And, hey, Mike, they can't miss this, can they? Bob, <laughs> like, Bob that what? Could've, that could have been the name of the Temple book at the time. <laughs> Bob, what will you miss about the job? I will miss the people. Uh, I'll miss my, my co-workers. I'll miss friends in the press box uh, like you, Kevin, and, and you, Michael. And uh, I'm, I'm going to miss, you know, uh, traveling a little bit, although traveling in the last 20 years has become like sticking steel pins in your eyes. It, it's I'm going to I'm just going to miss the, the, the people. I'm, I don't think I'm going to miss the actual work. And I think I'm going to 
I'm going to keep writing in some form. I I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to keep writing in some form. Is there a, but I just I, I really love the camaraderie. I love the camaraderie. Is there a particular event you're going to miss the most? You loved I know March Madness. He, he loved the Big East uh, tournament too. And he that was, was you were big up there in uh, New York. I love that. I I love that. I mean, it's like because we went there every year. And you knew the name of every usher and every guard, and, and you knew the place inside out. I, I love that. And obviously, there's a lot more important things going on right now than uh, the Big East tournament uh, getting canceled or even March Madness getting canceled. But I, it really, really hurt me to miss uh, what I thought was going to be my last run through on that. So I'm going to miss that a lot. I'm not going to miss staying. standing around Philly's clubhouses <laughs> at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, empty cl- empty clubhouses waiting for somebody to give me a shred of quote. I mean, that, that, that stuff I'm not going to miss at all. I got to tell you two guys, the, the, the 2016, because travel had cut down. We weren't going as many places, but we got to spend three weeks together. You know, Brooklyn, uh, Louisville, um, and, and then um, Houston. Well, and New York, too, for the Big East. All of us did the Big yeah, East I wasn't year. there for the I, – I think I was doing – Well, you did the A-10 with St. Joe's, year, right? Which was great also, but – the, the times and everybody would come up to me and say, that must've been great. And I said, it was, but the times I remember are like dinner at Papa Do's or, or, or like a laugh we would have on the day, day between games. I remember the day before Villanova played Kansas and we were all sitting around writing these stories and, and we just had good times. That's I agree with Bob a hundred percent. That's what I miss is the people and the relationships and the laughs and not the deadline writing and that, a Chris Jenkins shot was awesome. We all were there. It was awesome. But it was walking around at 2 in the morning trying to find a bar that would serve us a drink. That was also awesome. Bob, when you um, when you look right now at what the state of sports writing is, uh, the business, I mean, now that you're out of it, and all three of us are really out of it at this point, I feel for the people who are still in it because the future right now is so uncertain. And there was a Washington Post story on this this week. Um, it, it just, it, it's amazing how it feels like, you know, we've gone through a lot of hiccups over the years. You know, the, the recession and, and and the web and all that. But it feels like this is a a cataclysmic event for the profession. Well, uh, yeah. Because what what few advertisers we still had are out of business, so they're they're not really right. not really really advertising anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel in some ways like I just got over the causeway before the tidal wave hits, you know. And I and if this if this thing doesn't uh, really subside quickly, uh, it, we're going to see a lot more layoffs and and furloughs and papers shutting down and outlets you know going out of business and all that kind. Of Kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, print journalism has been heading downhill for a long time, not from a quality standpoint, but just because consumers have changed their habits. And, you know, we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, you're right. Uh, sports writing, particularly in the absence of sports, is difficult. And uh, I'm, I, I am concerned with, I wouldn't want to be, you know, 45 years years old in this business right now and trying to hope to get to 65. Yeah, it, it, 
It's, yeah, Bobby, I mean, and I know you had told me about a year or so ago, we got together and you, you said, you know, I'm, I'm getting near, you know, I, I don't know when, but you, you basically said that. I think, you know, I know if the situations hadn't changed somewhat and I wasn't, hadn't put myself in a position where I could, I would have liked to have worked till I was 65 or whatever. I mean, I didn't, you know, you know, I wasn't thinking, man, get out, get out. And then the opportunity just presented itself. But I think we all kind of went in. You know, I look at friends of mine like Joe Giuliano, who, you know, wants to work until he drops. Um, and God bless him. He, that, that's what he loves to do. I mean, I, I just feel bad, like you said, for the people that maybe aren't as close to the end as we were. Yeah, because I'm telling you what, I never had a plan B. I mean, if I had to fix cars for a living, I'd starve. I mean, I don't yeah. know what the heck else I would do if I if I hadn't been in newspapers and yeah there are some guys who just want to do it like Frank Fitzpatrick's another great example yeah. Frank just still loves it still wants to keep doing it and and God bless him God bless him if that's and they're that's good what at what they do to do that's but the other I, thing I mean they're great at what they do oh oh yeah yeah but I look I mean I look at my career path and I don't think anyone's ever going to have the same thing again I got out of school I wanted to work for a 10,000 circulation paper for five years. And then I went to work for the Delaware County Times for another five years, 60,000, 70,000 circulation, whatever it was. And I got hired by the Inquirer, and I stayed there 32 years. No one's ever going to do that again. That's no one's ever going to have that sort of path. Yeah. And, Bob, I mean, you, how, how incredibly lucky was that? And, Bob, to kind of say that, you were one of the lucky ones in a sense where – the Inquirer didn't necessarily hire from the Philadelphia region at that point. You know, if you think Phil Sheridan had to go to Chicago, I believe, after he left the Courier Times and come back. It was almost like people had to go away and come back at that point, correct? Uh, uh, they did not hire very many local people. Uh, you know, they wanted to hire Phil Anastasia, right. but his brother was was at the Inquirer. And they still had a nepotism uh, rule, right. you know. Now there's no rule. Now there's no rules. But they really would have liked to have hired. Uh, uh, they hired Brookie at some point, and I can't remember when Brookie joined from from Camden as well. Right. Uh, but you're right; it was few and far right. between. Even even but, Silsky, you know, I mean, I was right. Even Silsky went to the Wall Street Journal and then had to come back, if you remember. Yeah, but that was much more recent. I mean, yeah. we're talking about early 1980s when you're talking about that yeah, yeah bobby were you at bobby, so, uh, were you a neighbor's guy is that how you got into it were you yeah. one of the neighbor's people yeah that was the other thing about the inquirer at that time gene roberts the legendary editor felt that everyone who came in the door in order to learn how the inquirer did things and it, it sounds a little high and mighty, and maybe it was, had to go out to one of these regional suburban bureaus, these neighbors that put out uh, these these little tabloid uh, you know, local regional sections. And so, yeah, I was I was in Chester County Neighbors for a year, and uh, before I uh, before I got uh, the Sixers beat, it was weird. I was out there doing photo assignments on, you know, like uh, Downingtown and, and the Coatesville, you know? <laughs> Bob Ford joins us. Bob, let's turn to the – well, one more question. Was there an event you didn't get the cover that you wanted to? No, and I'll, I'll tell you, and Kern will probably turn inside out when I say this, but probably the most prestigious event that I never went to was the Masters. I knew you were going to say and that. And the other yeah. one was the 
and the and the other one was the Indianapolis 500. And I, frankly, there's nothing that I wanted to. I, I went to the Olympic Games ten times. I went to the Final Four. I went to the Stanley Cup. I went to the Super Bowl. I went to the World Series. I went to the NBA Finals. Tour de I France. I went to a lot. Tour de France, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I there's nothing I missed out on, and I never. And I liked covering golf. I mean, for one thing, it's day ball. Who doesn't yeah. like day ball? But <laughs> I never, I, I, I never loved covering golf. So you know, mm-hmm. and you know, so Bobby Jones, Amen Corner, or Jones Bridge, <laughs> or all the other crap they've got in there. That, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be eaten out of the piggly wiggly and going and going to uh, the Waffle House every day and, and 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 living in a shack in Augusta for a week just so I could say, oh my God, I saw Seve make a putt. I just never did it. For me. I never quite heard Augusta described that way, Bob. <laughs> you just That's not far off, actually. You just described Kern and Marcus's retirement at that point. You know, going to Augusta every year and going to the Piggly Wiggly, right? Uh, Bob Lyon used to, I mean, Bill Lyon, excuse Bob me. Bob Lyon. <laughs> you, Bill Lyon loved that event. I mean, he lived for Augusta. He, he just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. And I can't blame him because I thought it was one of the great things I did too. So, and I did 25 of them, so I can't, you know, we would have loved to have had you down there, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I'm sorry, I missed the Waffle House. That would have been a lovely experience. Yeah, <laughs> listen, you probably have because I know you've told me some as many Charles Barkley stories probably as anybody this side of Phil Jasner, God rest his soul. Is there a good, the best one that maybe you can tell on? You know, because some of them maybe you can. I don't know, but I know you used to. Crack us up a lot of times with Barkley stories from back in the day. Wow. There's – and this is one of the reasons that I'm sort of glad to be getting out now, if I can give you a little bit of preamble, because, like, we now are in the age of journalism, print journalism particularly, where it's a gotcha age. And, everyone, you know, if a guy says anything that's even remotely interesting, it's on Twitter – in 15 seconds, and there's a hundred bloggers, nothing against bloggers, and online outlets standing around with cell phone cameras, and you know everything is gotcha, and everything is regimented. And I really miss those days when I was on the beat, where all kinds of crazy stuff would happen, and uh, a lot of it did happen with Charles. So I do have one fairly good story that I can tell, uh, but boy, there are a lot of Charles stories. So. <laughs> Sixers used to used to Sixers Sixers used to practice at St. Joe's, right? Did for years and years. And the pra- and this is another thing I missed. The practices were open. You just sat in the stands and watched the practice. And then afterward, the locker room was completely open. There's no podiums or one guy at a time. You just went in the locker room and wandered around and talked to whoever you wanted to, and wrote your story and went home. So I'm in the locker room at St. Joe's uh, one day after practice and. And Charles comes up to me and he says, he says, Hey Bob, how much can they find me if I miss a day of practice? <laughs> and I said, and I said, Well, Charles, they can find you up to they can find you up to ten thousand dollars before you can grieve it to the players association. But but what? What do you got going? What 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 the hell is going on? He says, Well, there's this there's this Japanese 
mattress company that wants me to fly to Tokyo and make a mattress commercial, and they're going to pay me $100,000. And the way I look at it, I'll be $90,000 ahead. <laughs> and I, and I, said, I said, Charles, it's, it's the middle of the season. You, you can't fly to Tokyo and back in one day. And he looks at me and he says, he says, oh, yeah, you can. They got that international dateline. <laughs> I said, listen, I said, listen, Charles, it's not a time machine, okay? You can't do it. And not only aren't you going to do this, you're not going to tell anyone else about it. Do you understand me? He said, okay, I just thought I'd run it by you. So that's the... Did, did you? That's the Japanese mattress company story. When he was playing, did you think Barkley would turn out to be this big a figure in American life at this point? <clears throat> I don't think there was any way you could predict he was going to be this big a figure. I can remember right towards the end of his career, he was in Houston, and we were sitting around talking, and it was either his next to last year or last year. I can't remember how long he was using. And he said that he was going to go. He said, I think I, he said, I think I can make a decent chunk of change in broadcasting and I'm going to get one of those jobs where you don't have to work and they give you money. And, and he just thought it was going to be a lark and he thought he was going to make some money, but I don't think he had any sense that he was going to turn into Charles Barkley, the, the superstar. I don't have many Charles stories, but my favorite story is actually his final press conference <coughs> in Philadelphia. Bob, you were there, I think. And um, it was the night he tore his ACL uh, when he was with the Rockets. And, like, he's in, what, four or five minutes, Bob? You remember this? Yeah. He's in four or five minutes, tears his ACL. Basically, his season is over at that point. Walks up to the podium, and it's kind of a glum atmosphere in the building. Puts his crutches down and goes, well, guys, Sex is out of the question tonight because he had this big brace on <laughs> and the place cracked up and it was not, not a, not a morgue anymore. It was funny. And that was my, one of my favorite Charles memories. Um, Bob. Well, let, I've got my, my memories. Uh, I was in Milwaukee the night he got arrested uh, and uh, uh, you know, he got it. He was out with Frank Prakowski running the streets of, of Milwaukee with Frank Frickowski. And he was walking home at the end of the evening back to the Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt there, in the Hyatt Regency in Milwaukee. And uh, some idiot confronted him, and he got into a fight, and he broke the guy's nose and trouble. I, you know, I wasn't out with Charles, so I went to bed. And I got up the next morning, and I was going to take uh, the Sixers had. And they were still flying commercial at that time. They had first flight out. So I was, I came down, put my bags in a cab, and I had like an NBA tag or Sixers tag or something on one of my bags. And the cab driver said, were you here for the game last night? And I said, yeah. He says, the police came and took the big boy away this morning, didn't they? And I'm thinking, please, God, just this once, let it be Manute Ball. Just this once. <laughs> And I said, I said, what do you 
talking about? He says, Bo, about six o'clock, the police came and took Charles Barkley to jail. And I said, all right, I'm not, not going to go to the airport just yet. So I took my bags out of the cab. And I, I went back into the hotel, and I called the damn Milwaukee Police Department and I jail. And I said, do you, do you guys happen to have Charles Wade Barkley? Bob, you broke up there. You want to talk to him? And I, said, I said, yeah, I don't mind. No, I'm sorry. Where, where's the little? No, no, no. You said, do you have Charles Barkley there? Yeah. And the, and the desk sergeant said, yeah, we got him. And uh, so he said, you want to talk to him? And I said, yeah. So Charles comes on the line. And I said, Charles, what the hell are you doing in jail? And he says, well, cash <laughs> and I, I said uh, I, I said Charles I can't bail you out of jail I mean that's we don't have very many rules at the acquire but that's one of them you can't bail people out of jail <laughs> and and uh, and he said do you think you're gonna have to write about this I said yeah yeah I think <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to write about it Charles and you know it, it turned out that he got off but it was a long it was a long day at work I can tell you that <laughs> Uh, Bob, what what was it like working with Phil as as your competitor for a lot of years? Because I know Phil was, you know, we always thought of him as, and and I got to imagine that there there was fun times and you were as competitive as him. And, you know, and that was back when newspapers were competitive. You know, we're not so much anymore because we're basically one paper. Um, But what was that like? Well, uh, uh, it's complicated, Mike. Phil, as you know, was a Hall of Famer and a spectacular peacock. And I was pretty competitive myself. So, and as you said, the Daily News and the Inquirer, we were like cutthroat at each other at that time. So Phil and I were not always that close, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he and I didn't, he and I never really ran together because Phil wasn't really much of an evening runner, you know. He, right. uh, he would have a, he would have a, he would have a, have a rusty nail and go to bed, and <laughs> uh, and and I I wouldn't. So uh, sometimes our relationship was a little bit frayed, to be honest with you. And obviously, I respected him. Uh, we mm-hmm. we went about our covering the beat very very differently, uh, and we we were we were really, really at each other's throats for stories. And uh, I didn't always appreciate him, and I don't think he always appreciated me. But and that was okay, was, right? And I'll say this. But that was okay. It was fine with, it was fine with me. I didn't, I didn't need yeah. to have, you know, a, a brotherly relationship. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it made me better. It made me immensely, immensely better as a beat guy. And uh, whatever training I got because of having to compete that hard against Phil uh, served me well for the rest of my career. So I have him to thank for that. And hopefully it was vice versa and you had, and you made him work harder and made, you know, than he would have maybe had to have somebody else. So in other words, you weren't taking him to the quaff in Kansas City at one in the morning like you took this guy one time when Rich Hoffman bailed out on us and went to bed. That was amazing, wasn't it? That was a very weak performance by Rich. Or a strong performance by me. You know. (laughs) Yeah. 
I surprised Both. myself that night. Both. I really did. Uh, Bob, let me let me ask you about the current state of the the games or the lack of state of the games at this point. Um, you know the NBA like the back of your hand. Uh, Adam Silver seems pretty hellbent. He's going to resume this season at some point, doesn't he? Well, what does it mean? I'm not sure what it means. I know that there's contractual language in their in their uh, television contract that calls for them to play at least seven. Team has played either 64 or 65 games, so that's a big. Big, big chunk of money sitting out there for the NBA if they could just play another couple of weeks of a regular season. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, you just bang it. You just say, you know what, let's come back in October and let's not force this thing. One thing that will not make me very happy, by the way, is if you and me and Mike Kern and Joe on the street can't get tested and they're going to be testing players every day to see that they're not infected yep. when those tests should be better spread out to other people, more deserving people. That's not going to sit very well with me. I'll be honest with you. So I, I kind of think they should just bang it until they've, until things really, really level off. And I don't even know what that means. I mean, there's no, there's just no playbook for this. There's no playbook for how to handle it the right way and the wrong way. Bob, what do you think of this Sixers, regardless of what happens with this, you know, what do you think of the Sixers and the way they're constructed with Simmons and Embiid? Do you think at some point, if maybe if you... I lost you. What do you think of the the way the Sixers are constructed going forward? You got to ask that again, Mike. I'm sorry I lost you. What do you think of the Sixers as they're constructed going forward? Can Embiid and Simmons be successful together? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I really think that their biggest problem right now is not Embiid and Simmons. I think their biggest problem right now is spacing, offensive spacing, mm-hmm. because they don't have Redick and they don't have a, an outside threat that they really need. And, and I think that uh, Tobias Harris is not really that guy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I th- think that Embiid and Simmons can work well together. I think you, you might have to play – Reverse them a little bit, play and beat high uh, and and Simmons low sometimes. I'm not sure he's a point guard. I think he's probably a point forward. But I still – I think those guys are compatible. And your two best players better be. But I think it's just some of their other issues in terms of floor spacing and offensive flow, especially, you know, say, oh, well, we're built for the playoffs. I'm not so sure. In the playoffs, you got to play half court. And they are not a good half-court team. So that's my feeling about them right now. I take it from what you said about the NBA, you feel the same way towards Major League Baseball at this point. I mean, Blake Snell and Bryce Harper yesterday pretty much saying, I ain't taking a pay cut, you know, and risking my life to go out there is tone deaf beyond belief at this point when 85,000 people are dead and thirty, you know, 20 to 30% unemployment. But that kind of tells you the mood or the mindset of what these pro athletes have or the, these baseball players are thinking. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're talking about it like a July resumption now. And, you know, that's, that's wishful thinking. 
be able to be done. But, you know, we're seeing all these things reopening, the freaking Jersey Shores reopening, all this kind of dumb crap. And there's going to be a resurgence, you know, and all it's going to take is a baseball game where one guy tests positive, and then you got to shut down the whole thing for two weeks again. So, so I just, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's, it's everyone, everyone wants to do something and no one knows what to do. And that's, so we just have to tolerate people saying dumb things for a while, which we tolerate all the time anyway. So yeah. Bob, Bob, one of the things I always appreciated by you, and this will be the last thing from me, we're in this world where it's like, um, you know, people want to throw stuff out there. It's going to get replayed, whatever. They want to make a splash. You always struck me as a guy who was the voice of reason. I, I could read you, and most times I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's like the way. Rich was a little bit like that, too, and I always appreciate it. Did you think of yourself as having a style or did you just say, hey, I'm writing what I write today and this is how I feel. And if it comes across as that, then it comes across as that. Well, Hoffman was the voice of reason. Yes. He, he was, you know, people always say that, that uh, a liberal is someone who's so open-minded he won't, won't even take his own side in an argument. And uh, <laughs> which was, which is absolutely the, uh, I, I, Uh, I think I had a style. Well, I think I had a as far as like writing style. I think I had a conversational style, sort of. And mm -hmm. I tried to use humor, but I never. I always. I, I never wanted to hit the reader over the head. I wanted to just like say a couple things that make him think about something and let mm -hmm. them come to their own conclusion. You know, I grew up in I grew up in Washington D.C. reading Shirley Povich and Shirley. Really published had a, a style like that. I always say about him that he he always wanted to lead the readers, but he didn't want to chase them. And I think that's that's kind of the way I felt about it. It was just like if you you know if if you if you turn the lights on, people can see stuff for themselves. So just turn the lights on a little bit and let people figure it out for themselves. Don't tell people how they should think, which I think a lot of People in our business, they want to tell people, hey, this is how you should think, and you shouldn't think any other way. And I don't believe that. So, I mean, that, that would be my overriding if there was a stop. Well, I'm going to miss that, so just to let you know. I think we're all going to miss it. Um, yep. Bob, I appreciate it. The door's always open to come here, you know, once we are allowed out of our houses. Yeah. And uh, we will go out and celebrate with you at some point. I don't know when that's going to be. But we will. So just keep a date on the well, calendar uh, open somewhere. Will I, will I get a sheet cake? Will there be a sheet cake for me? There'll be, there'll be no, there will be, there will be drinks. Maybe food, but definitely drinks. I'll make sure there's a sheet cake. I'll go to Acme and I'll okay, get a sheet cake for him. sheet cake, we'll get you a sheet cake. That's fine, too. Do you like butterscotch or chocolate? <laughs> but, butterscotch or chocolate? <laughs> Why don't we... Can, can we go back to the Shamrock? Can we go back to the Shamrock with Eddie Barkowitz? Oh, wow. Oh, well, no, it's not the Shamrock anymore. It's, it's changed. It's um, it's not the Shamrock anymore. It's, it's changed hands. So um, we have to find a new place. But Eddie Barkowitz can find one. That's not the problem. Trust me. Can, can I, uh, I? I do have did they, did they sweep the floor? I don't <laughs> think so. Hey, Bob, I do have one follow-up question. Final question. Yo, one of the things I, one well, one of the things I admired was the way that Charlie Manuel talked to you. 
what up, Bob Ford, you know, during that whole run. <laughs> um, since you announced your retirement, has anybody reached out to you? Uh, Charlie called me. Uh, I got an email from Howie Roseman, which should tell you how bored people are. <laughs> Howie and I were not tight. No. Uh, I, got a, I, got, I got a text from Elton Brand. I got a, a very nice text from Jay Wright. Uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, and other, like, PR people and, you know, and the people who... So Barkley, after asking you to bail him out, Barkley never got in touch with you? <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, Charles is sitting in Paradise Valley playing playing, playing golf every day, <laughs> and I'm sure he's not really – I'm sure he's not He's not hanging on the transaction wire from the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, yeah. you know, he might, he be, doing a mat- he he might might... be doing a mattress commercial in Japan. You never know. Well <laughs> – Man, man, oh man, that stuff, that stuff, that stuff happens every day, every day. <laughs> Bob Ford from the Inquirer, formerly from the Inquirer. Bob, thanks, appreciate it. Always Enjoy from the Inquirer. Bob, be safe, man. Be safe. All right, you guys too. Thanks for having me, and uh, you, you've been my only uh, media appearance so far, so you I, should feel very, very. I, I feel honored. I do. I always feel honored when I'm around him, but I'll feel more honored now. Okay. All right. That's good. Bob Ford joins us. We'll be back right after this. Thanks, guys. Yep. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work of the Beat podcast family. Our thanks to Bob Ford for joining us. Who from a, I don't know the the hills of Maryland. Uh, I See, mean, that would bo- that would bother me if I live somewhere, and I take it for granted because I live where I live. But I know there are places you know where you live on an everyday basis with very little connectivity or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that would bother me a little bit. You know, if, if I was, but hey, look, you know, he's, it's probably a great place where he lives. It's, it's peaceful. It's, you know, he, he, he can do whatever. And he's probably been looking forward to it for years. And so God thank bless. you. Thank you to everyone who stuck through it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Even with the technical issues that um, plagued it, there was a bit of a delay. It was, uh, but uh, Bob's stories are always fun and uh, we wanted to make sure. All right, let's get to the, uh, the Blake Snell situation. Um, you heard the comment, I'm sure. I mean, and, and then Bryce Harper going last night, you know, at least he said, but it's on our mind. Basically he didn't fully agree, but he, you know, kind of went down that road. Like he didn't disagree. Well, I mean, look, the initial reaction is to say, you know, what the hell, you know, like you said with Bob, but you know, and yeah, 
these are specialized people. There's 500 of them or 600, however many there are, that do a particular thing and get paid. Some of them get paid really well. Is it wrong for a person? You know, we can sit here and say, yeah, there's 20% unemployment. There's this, there's that, there's the other. You know, you should be lucky that you're working and pitching and whatever. And, I mean, he's, I guess, I mean, he's allowed to make his point that, you know, none of us know what, are they taking abnormal risk by playing sports? I, I, I don't know this. I, I Bob kind of, you know, thought, you know, they shouldn't even have it. You know, and I, I, I tend to agree with a lot of what Bob said is I think it's not fair to the poor guy walking down the street who can't get a test that they're going to be testing Major League Baseball players five times a day or, or the people around the teams. And now you saw where Art Howe now is, you know, in serious condition with the coronavirus. In ICU, yeah. And, and, but the bottom line in all this, Kevin, is people are going to die. I mean, and this is the stance that a lot of people take that want to reopen. Yes, people are going to die, but, you know, do, do, you know and, and if you don't go back, people might die the other way. So I just don't see that it's, it's all about money. Again, so if it's all about money, why shouldn't the players be about money too? I mean, I, I you know, you said the other day on the podcast, it's all about the players not wanting to give the owners leverage going forward. And this is probably part of that. The guy saying, hey, this is what I make. You know, if you want to pay me for 80 games at a prorated rate, fine. But don't tell me I'm going to make less than that. I, 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 you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that feel the same way, not just Bryce Harper. And I'm sure there's guys who are a little, um, you know, if you really pulled them, might not want to go back, even if they're giving up money. Right. Because they're going to be giving up money. Um, I, 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 there is no right or wrong answer to me. He's going to come off looking like a schmuck. You know, and Bryce Harper, I guess, will come off looking like a schmuck to the average Joe. Um, but what if Bryce Harper gets sick? And Rob Manfred was on last night on um, on uh, CNN uh, talking about the procedures for players. And here's the clip, actually. Uh, the procedures for players, should a player take plate, uh, t- test positive, and what could happen? Actually, it'll take a second here, but... Um, pretty much, you know, outlining that he's going to have a pretty strict, um, they're going to be testing him multiple times a week. In fact, as we, right. Uh, and it will go to a special lab in Utah and 24 hours advance time. Here is the, but we uh, just saw what happened in the white house where yeah. apparently that person tasted, tested negative one day right, and positive the next day. So to me, unless you're doing them daily and when they show up at the park, you should be taking temperatures. I'm assuming, right. Um, but again, you're dealing with 25 year old guys, 35 year old guys, 60 year old managers, uh, umpires. Um, and it's not just the 25 players, right here. And, 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 let, let me play the clip. Here's Rob Manfred. Sure. Um, our, our experts are advising us that, um, we don't need a 14 day quarantine. What we will do is the positive, um, individual will be removed from the rest of the group. There will be a quarantine arrangement in each facility and in each city and then we'll do contact tracing for the individuals that we believe there was contact with and we will do point of care test um, testing for those individuals um, to minimize the likelihood that there's been a spread 
All right, so that is uh, Rob Manfred last night. If you and I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that, Kevin. Okay, so I no, no, that's okay. Um, we're pretty much saying that there's going to be point of contacts testing uh, or you know uh, contact tracing rather uh, to try to minimize any spread and, and multiple tests a week. But as Bob said, and this is something we talked about the other day um, with Bob Costa uh, from the Washington Post. Boy, politically, that gets into a real dicey area. If there's not enough tests going around for for nurses and doctors and Gets grocery store people, are yeah, players, are the players going to have to sign a waiver that you know waiving their right to litigation? Let's say, I mean, this goes more for college players, I would think. You know, a college player, if if a UCLA says you got you know you're on the team, you're going out there, we're playing USC this week, and the guy, you know, and he gets sick, or, 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 is UCLA liable? Is the Pac-12 liable? Is I don't know. You know, a pro player is different because they're getting paid. But I still wonder, is, is everybody that goes into that stadium, umpires, remember, going to sign a waiver, you know, waiving their right to sue? Um, and the other part of it is you got to tell me what's going to happen if somebody tests positive. Do you take that person out of the rotation? Do you take the team out of the rotation? Do you, do you, I, I, you know, it, these are answers we don't have, or at least I don't have. I mean, you know, we saw with the NBA, as soon as one guy tested positive, the whole damn thing shut down. Um, You know, I, I don't know, Kevin. It's, it's, to me, there's so many things in here, and again, it comes down to this, you know, it, but this isn't a job. We're not talking about people, or not a lot of them, you know, we're not talking about sending uh, 10,000 people back to work in a plant. You know, people who might need those jobs to put food on their table. Um, we're talking about having something for us to watch as a nation. Right. Uh, entertainment is basically what we're talking about. Let me flip to another topic here. The SEC is going to have a May 22nd vote, which is... Vote for what? next week about the uh, opening of athletic facilities on June 1st in the SEC. Okay. Um, which, Are there, is the schools going to be open on June 1st? Which leads to uh, a comment made in the, by Big 12 coach and Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley on Thursday who said that all the schools wanted to bring players back on June 1st is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. We've got to be patient. We've got one good shot at it. It would be ir- completely irresponsible to bring these guys in too early. We need to be bring these guys in as late as we can. Every day that they come in could be a day we could have gotten better, learn more about the virus. The PPE gets better. A day closer to vaccine testing capabilities get better. It's not worth it. So this goes along the lines you and I have talked about, that you're seeing different mindsets here in college football emerging from different clients. Well, you're, not going, you're never going to have a consensus. If you have 100 and 30 division one coaches, not all 130 are going to feel the same way. They're, they're just not. It's, it's, you put any 130 people in a room, they're going to have divergent opinions on how they feel. You know, Nick Saban's 67 years old, right? Yeah. I would think if Nick Saban gets sick, it could be serious. If I'm Nick Saban, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I haven't asked Nick Saban what he thinks about it, but if you're going to be, if, if if the Alabama practice facility is going to open June 1st, is the school open on June 1st? Probably not. Well, then that's wrong. Are, are other athletes 
going to be able to train at Alabama on June 1st. The soccer team, the, the whatever plays in the fall. I don't know who plays in the fall. Field hockey, could, right. If not, then why are we making a special exemption for college football? Because we need it, and there's trillions of dollars involved. Why don't we just admit it? Why don't we just come out and say, this is why we're doing it? Because yep. there's all kinds of money involved. You know, well, I think and, and, I think that people are saying that's the reason this is going to happen. I'm pretty certain if you look at it, 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 but they don't come out and say it. They don't. They they, they they don't come out and say if Penn State doesn't play this year, they're not getting thirty million dollars from NBC or whomever. That's never. That's never comes into the equation. It it, it never. It, it it's just well, you know, we need fo- we need college football. What the one guy there was a guy. Um, uh, who the hell was it? Somebody in the Southeast Conference said. It's too big to fail. College football is too big to fail. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? That a pandemic is not maybe stronger than college football? I don't know. You're not going to have people coming to the games anyway, for the most part. Yeah. You're not going to have people working in at the games who would be making money off the games. You know, the, the vendors, the whatever. The, so basically, you're playing the games for one reason. Money. TV money. So just come out and say that. And at least you're being upfront. Because if safety was the first concern, you would probably be saying, okay, maybe we can start in October. Maybe we'll play a six-game schedule. Or maybe we'll have to play half the schedule then and maybe half the schedule in March or February. I don't know. But they're not t- – and I think part of the problem college football is facing is the NFL. Because the NFL's just well, like, we're playing. There was a conversation yesterday between Roger Goodell and the commissioners of the Power Five conferences. Right, right. Because the Power Five conferences think they're the NFL. Yeah. That's one of the problems. Roger Goodell is dealing with with the biggest sport in the face of the earth. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe soccer is another part, but I'm saying biggest sport. He's dealing from a different venue, and he's dealing with pro athletes. These other guys are dealing with 20-year-olds, and you're not just dealing – if, if we were just talking about college football and no other sports, just college football, and eventually the same question is going to come with college basketball, yeah. although that doesn't make as much money, but it still makes you know a lot of money, especially at some schools. Uh, you know, Villanova, I mean, the Villanova basketball is football at Villanova. Mm-hmm. But to me, especially at the college level, more so than the pro level, safety has to be the first. How are you – if Penn State, I mean, you, you – Penn, so Penn State has 100 players, I don't know, whatever they have, right? You're going to come back and be around each other all all the time, these players and the right. coaches and, and the training staff, and you're going to clean the locker rooms out and all this, and you're telling me that nobody's going to get sick? Really? I, I, hey, it's a miracle. That That's fine. So some people will say to you, well, if only five people get sick, that's a necessary uh, risk. Huh? What if you want those five people? Yeah. See, all the people that want to come back, and I understand, they're suffering too. I understand. But it's like, well, we can have an acceptable number of deaths. We can have an acceptable number of people to get sick because it's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And it will, but not at the rate that it will happen if we don't keep kind of doing what we're doing, even when we go back. You know, like, yeah, Governor Wolf came out today and said something like, so people really from Pennsylvania are going to go to the Jersey beaches? Why? It's a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you want to go, it's your right to go. You know, she can't stop it, but 
He thinks well, it's dumb. It's, it's, it's not you get Kevin. It's not if Kevin Cooney goes to the beach with his wife and does everything he's supposed to, you know, stays six feet away, whatever. It's not a question of maybe you're, but, but you never know. I mean, that's the whole point. And if you get sick, God forbid, how many other people could you make sick? You know, that, that, and that's the problem in all this. And it seems like what we're doing is working from what we're starting to hear now, you know, Philadelphia's going down. Pennsylvania's, I think is the numbers are, have been better. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm the idiot in the room. I could be, I've been the idiot before, but boy, I'll tell you what, if I was a parent of a 20 year old quarterback at, um, Virginia tech, or I don't know, pick it. And God forbid my kid went and played and got sick and then maybe got me sick. Boy, I'm going to tell you something, man, there might be hell to pay, but uh, I don't know. in a press conference this afternoon on a zoom call, you know, each each team is have their contacts with their beat writers and everything. Uh, so today was Brett Brown's turn. Uh, somebody asked Brown, like if he felt like, um, you know, wondering what this year could mean for his future. You're human to think about that all the time. He told, he told reporters, uh, according to Keith Pompey. And I feel this strongly as I sit, as it sits in my sort of coaching world, this is for me, incomplete meaning that he feels like he basically I, I take it that means he feels like if something happened to him this offseason that it would be unfair well maybe not unfair I, I guess I, I I guess what he's trying to say is he thinks that if he's given more time he can make this work I, I, that's what I, which, which you would expect the guy to feel confidence in himself. Um, I, I get all that. Um, but the fact of the matter is that for whatever reasons, this team underachieved and teams underachieve all the time. Last year, the Celtics underachieved, you know, it, it happens. Um, but, and there was extenuating circumstances this year with different things that went on, but every team has extenuating circumstances. And me personally, and I'm not sure this would sit well with, with Philadelphia. I don't think I would get rid of them if they don't play anymore. Or, or even right. if they come back and play and they win a playoff round and, and then they lose the next one or they don't make the NBA Finals. Let's put it that way. Um, but I would have I would make it very clear to him that barring a broken up season next year, or, you know, something gets in the way, if they have a season next year, they probably better be in the NBA Finals. Or, you know, we're, we're probably going to have to go in another direction at that point. But, you know, not making the NBA Finals when you're playing in the same conference as Milwaukee, I, you know, or even Toronto, you know, which is having a really good year. Maybe even the Celtics, who everybody says we're better than the Celtics. Maybe we are because we beat them three times. But I'm just saying. If the Sixers, if the Bucks go to the NBA Finals, I can't look at the Sixers and say, "Man, you're better than the Bucks," because I don't necessarily think they are. They they certainly have talent, but maybe the talent, you know, like like Bob was saying, the talent. I'm I'm not ready to give up on this Embiid Simmons thing yet. That's no, me. but I think you need to you need to try somebody else at this point. Well, that's fine, but like again, tell me who the next one is. Yeah. So you got, you know, and if that makes sense, if the next guy, if you say it's Mike, it's this guy and everybody goes, okay, 
that makes sense. Yeah, but what what it's shown me, and you might be right, Kevin. You, you, you might be totally right. I think it goes back to Embiid and Simmons. And maybe Brett can't get through to him. I'm not sure anybody's going to get through to him. him. So if another guy comes in and we have these same problems, well, then you got to get rid of one of those guys. I mean, even though we don't want to. Well, and that's why I'm saying I think it's a, it's a process, pardon the pun, it's a process of you got to take that next step. You got to figure out if it's head coach or players. And if it's players, then you at least you will be a year ahead of the game if you do it. Yeah. I think it could be a little bit of both, which it usually it could. Is. I think Embiid has certain issues. Um, we all know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Simmons has issues. Obviously, we know what they are, but they are all-star players. They are, you know, anybody who's going to pick the top twenty players in the league, they're going to be in there somewhere. Yeah, Embiid was um, ranked eleventh today. I think by, by yeah, ESPN. Yeah, you know, but but if you'd done the rankings a year ago, he might have been sixth. I mean, yeah. um. You know, so it's it's hard to think about trading things like that away. You know, I remember when they traded Charles, and Charles wanted to go. I mean, that was that was a different situation, but you never get back. No, you never get back. They could trade Simmons for a first round pick and and two starters, and you know that any of the people they're getting back in that aren't going to be as good as Simmons. Usually, not all the time, but usually. Um, and Embiid, I think you're working with a um, – I think there's more of a time clock on Embiid because we don't know three or four years from now what his shape or health is yeah. going to be. Uh, and also Simmons, I guess, with the back. I mean, you know, you know how backs are. I mean, yeah. geez, I have no idea. This weekend we – oh, I mean, before that, I want to ask you. Well, well, I, before that, go ahead. when the, the things that happened with the baseball with with the Tampa Bay guy and, and Harper, you you said you didn't think they were going to come to an agreement, or you thought it was going to be very hard. Does this? Make no, it I hard? I think it's I think it's very hard to see a season because of all the logistical issues. Okay, but do you think when something like this comes out, doesn't does make it, it easier? Make it okay, okay. I um, mean, I will say one thing about Blake Snell and Harper. They probably are, uh, I can almost guarantee they're not the only ones who were thinking this. Right. Um, they may have been the only ones with the balls to say it. And is that, Kevin, partly because they're in a position where they've made enough money that they could take a Wait, year Snow, off? Snell is not, I mean, Snell is due to make $7 million this year, so it's cut to three oh, that's, and a half. Okay, okay. I was, okay. okay. Um, like in football, it always comes down to the guys making thirty million versus the guys making I mean, nothing. Right in baseball, is that true too? Well, there's going to be guys who are making the major league minimum who are going to make right. about maybe one twenty five, one thirty. It's that low. Well, when you oh, with the prorated, if you prorate and then you take I another chunk out of it with, I got you. Okay. Um, look, in my mind, this is a bigger battle here. It is, and it was funny. I actually talked to somebody about it uh, after we did the show the other day. I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, like, if... I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. I don't know if I would say it's all going to be economics, but economics are going to be part of it, and it's all because of the, the, the give and take of going into a CBA anyway. Um, the idea that you have a CBA going, 
And you also have the health issues cropping up, which are totally legitimate. You know, and baseball is the only one of the four majors that doesn't have a salary cap. I mean, basketball has one that moves sometimes, but I mean, but it's highly it's, punitive. Yeah, right. Baseball's in a in a different spot than other than the NFL. They're not a hard cap. Like ba- right. basketball is not a hard cap. Hockey is a hard cap for right. the most part, and so is the NFL. In the NFL, you can weasel a little bit with like signing bonuses and all that, but you end up paying the next year, and right, it all kind of comes up. Baseball is the only one you can spend till you drop. And uh, it's a problem. Uh, this weekend marks the return in some form of spectator sports, spectatorless sports, but spectator sports. Um, with NASCAR coming back this weekend at Darlington, uh, and two made-for-TV golf events. One with Tiger and Phil. And well, the one with Tiger and Phil is next week. That's next week. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, the one. This weekend is the Rory and. Rory Dustin Johnson against um, the two Oklahoma State guys, Ricky Fowler and um, Matthew Wolf, who actually is a pretty good young player. That no, that people just you know they because he's only twenty one years old. How much? How much interest do you have in this? Um, well, first of all, I would tell everybody to go to Betters Insider because I wrote a little something for that. Trying to, t- there's lots of things you can bet. It's 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 amazing. I mean, you, you can bet if they're going to birdie the first hole, if they're going to hit the fairway on the first hole. It, it, it's it's incredible. Um, and people will. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question, Kevin. I, I'm not a big – I've never been a big exhibition guy. Like, I didn't watch Tiger and Phil when they did it two, two years, years ago because you had to pay for it. I, I, I don't care to watch Tiger and Phil play exhibition golf. But this is going to be – I'm sure I, – I, I mean, just out of curiosity, I'm sure I'll tune in. Um, I don't – really expect much even next week because you have Peyton and Brady playing it's you know but it's something I I mean and I mean I'm not a a NASCAR I mean I used to be a NASCAR guy years ago when I covered it but I mean who knows because there's nothing else I mean you can only watch so much food network you know or or monk reruns or um so I think people I think the ratings could be pretty good um and I'm sure for Tiger and Phil they probably will be is that I, I think the Tiger Phil thing's on real TV? It's on, right? it's on uh, TNT, yeah. Return. Okay, it's right. And then in a month, uh, and that month, then obviously that's Memorial Day weekend. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, you're right. Um, and people ain't going to be out picnicking, I guess, unless you're down to Jersey Shore. I don't know. Um, and then a month from now, you will have supposedly the golf tournament. I think in in Houston or Dallas is the first one back. I think Houston. Yeah, it's somewhere in Texas. And, um, you know, uh, th- now the, the interesting thing this week, I, I, I thought this, there's no caddies this week. Right. So the guys either have to carry their bags or use a trolley to pull their bag, um, which I think is kind of like, you know, when was the last time? I mean, I don't know how many times Ricky Fowler or Matthew Wolf played without a caddy. I'm not yeah. sure if they're just out on the course. And Ricky Fowler apparently has won three member pro events at this golf course Seminole, which is a real historic course in Florida. I think Ben Hogan used to go there in the winters um, with Buddy Marucci, who's from around this area, famous amateur golfer. Um, so maybe he's got, yeah, they're the underdogs as they should be. I look, I'm going to watch. I don't know if I'm going to watch from start to finish like I would the final round at Augusta, mm-hmm. but I, and it's going to be weird with no people. I don't think it'll be as weird this week 
because of it's a match. I think when they play the first tournament and you have all these guys playing. That'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, that'll be different. And I'm guessing there'll be caddies then. Now, they actually allowed the guys this week, they can use those GPS devices to get their distances. Right. Um, but they can't use them to get slope or side. Who, who the hell knows? It's it's. I think it'll be fun just to see the top, the best golfer in the world hitting golf balls. All right. You know. We should also point out NASCAR is going to race four times in the Cup Series in the next 11 days. Is, is that? Two at I mean, Darlington, Saturday, Sunday and Wednesday, and then they go to, I But think, isn't that weird racing? Oh, it's like, brutal. So why are they doing it? To try to get his all full season in. Yeah, but it, I mean, look, I remember when I co- covered, I mean, you know, one race ended, you, you went to the next race, you spent four or five days getting your car ready. Now you're going to have like two days to get your car ready? Well, they I were, the, the, the comment Marty Smith from ESPN was on last night on this, uh, Scott Van Pult show. And uh, his comment, especially at, at Darlington, which is a tight track. Um, right. It's kind of like Dover in a lot of ways where cars get mm-hmm. beat up. Uh, that a lot of teams are having their second car ready for Wednesday. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but, but if you but if you crash your first car, <laughs> yeah, a, you know, people do crash. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, what gets the highest ratings this weekend? Okay. I'll play the old, what, I'll play the old Francesa. Uh, Russo, you mean between NASCAR and the golf? Or I'll throw a third option: the Last Dance, the final two episodes. Uh, I'd probably go Last Dance because a it's in prime time. Uh, although you can watch that on a replay. Have the ratings for that been good? Really good. Sure, yeah. Why? Why would they change now? Because you want to see the end. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, you want to see the end game. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think NASCAR is not what NASCAR was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, if it was the tag or fill thing, I think I might go with the tag or fill because it's not tag or fill. I, yeah, I, I would say, I would say last dance one, the golf two, NASCAR three, but close. Like I like, and there is a UFC event this weekend as well. Yeah. Look, I have no idea about UFC or any right. of that. You tell me. I mean, does that stuff get See, ratings? it's funny, though, but, like, you know, we, we joked a couple of weeks ago about wrestling being essential in Florida, and wrestling, mm-hmm. WWE has done a ton of events during mm-hmm. this from their performance center. And um, their ratings are at an all-time low. Which is that's, that's interesting. I would think that it would be the other way around because there's nothing else to watch. But I think the, the idea that it's played in a very – sterile environment is what has hurt them. So do you think that would have the same, like, you know, we keep trying to look ahead, mm-hmm. you know, if, and, and we haven't heard much from the NHL lately, which is, I, I don't know what that means. Well, Gary right? Batman has said he anticipates he will be handing the Stanley cup at some point. Okay. Fair enough. But, but, like but I look at a sport like hockey, let's say for sake, and Eddie Barker, which had an interesting story today on, on in the daily news inquire online. Um, about the effect of no fans in the stands would have on betting lines. Yeah. Like, you know, in the NFL, that's pretty – in college football, that's important. In pro football, that's important. You know, if you play the Eagles here, I mean, even though the Eagles lose at home, I know that. But you got to think um, – and they said, like, normally – like, let's say it was – you would give four and a half maybe or whatever. Maybe it's only two now. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in a place like Seattle or a place that really has, like, a home field advantage. Lambeau. Do you th- 
I mean, doesn't the NHL have the same? I mean, I would think playing a hockey game actually in the arena. The fun part is, is hard. Yeah, but if you think about it, um, road teams have traditionally done well in the Stanley Cup playoffs over the last twenty oh, years. Oh no, yeah, but like you take a team like the Flyers this year, for instance. I'm just saying, you're absolutely right. The, the, the road teams in the NHL, but hockey's just a sport that if guys are skating around, it it just seems to me like. It's going to be well, really and, and this leads to the uh, final point for to this week. Uh, Joe Buck is Joe Buck was on of all things a serious XM show with Andy Cohen. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he talked about the fact that Fox is already planning if it's a crowdless football environment of pumping in false sound and maybe using virtual reality fans to make stands look packed to just make it more appealing on television. Uh, well, my initial reaction to that would be, would they not have to clear that with Goodell? I mean, if you're going to pump music into an arena or sound, that to me wouldn't be allowed. Oh, well, it would almost be a, like a laugh track on television, like a sitcom. So you're saying just on television? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, hey, look, they, they can do whatever they want. If they think that's going to make it better, hey, whatever. Uh, so there's going to be some guy in charge. A play's going to happen. And it's going to be his job to say, cheers, Eagle fans, cheer. Was it, or, or, yeah. and, and, if, and if Wentz throws an interception, we're going to hear boos. I, 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 so many things could go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's about the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I, I wasn't going to give it high grades, but to me, I, I would just go, this is what it is. And when... And when you hear some cursing like that, they're already talking about with baseball, you might have to put a, a disclaimer on there or a delay. Because, you know, I, but see, me as a 62 year old guy, I don't have any problem with cursing. That That's not going to throw me off at all. Um, but maybe, maybe if you have kids watching, you know, I thought the interesting one was I'm a spitter. Like if I'm on the golf course, right? Mm-hmm. I, that, that's it's just a habit I have. Well, apparently, you can't, you're not going to be able to spit at. Baseball games, yeah, because of the and I understand. I totally get it. I have told you, you know, some guy's going to spit. I have told you, no high fives, no handshakes, no. Uh, but people will adhere to that, right? You know, I have told you. I think that the most disgusting place on the planet is a baseball dugout. And how about a locker room? I mean, isn't that? I mean, as far as sanitary, I'm talking about. I'm just yeah. talking about. Yeah, I mean, we've been in enough locker rooms to know. Yeah, I would say that a baseball dugout's worse. At the end of a game, a baseball dugout is a disgusting place to be. Uh, you're, with you're seeds, right. with tobacco. Obviously, well, tobacco is not as I much would anymore. To wager. Uh, now I'm just talking off the top of my head. You, I would venture to wager that you can't now. If you got chewing tobacco, you're going to have to have a way of getting rid of it. Yep. Whether it's in a cup, whether it's and some guys do that already. But the sunflower seed thing you're talking about. I mean, those guys just pop sunflower seeds all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing you can't do that. Nope, I'm guessing not either. But I'm guessing somebody's going, like, I can't believe that in the course of games, somebody isn't going to forget or just do it out of natural whatever and is going to start spitting, you know, not meaning anything by it. Sure. Um, I know it's a problem on a golf course that they've gotten on some guys. Tiger Woods, I think, got uh, Sergio Garcia one-timer. You know, they were caught spitting, which I didn't think was any big deal. You know, if you got something, whatever. But apparently people were turned off by that. Um, it's, it's Kevin, we're in a whole 
new world. Yep. And it ain't ever going to go back totally, even when we get a vaccine, you know, even when we go forward, there's certain things that we're just, you know, as we saw with 9-11. Going to have to adjust to. We are, whether we like to. But I can see people getting I read a story today. They were saying about we should get used to the fact that everybody, they said every, they were recommending that every state mandate masks. So you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Well, you know there's going to be people that aren't. Yeah. And for whatever reason, whether they choose not to or they or whatever, people are going to get in fistfights about this. It's already happening. Yeah. You know, some guy's going to try to walk into a Target and somebody's going to say, hey, you can't come in here because you don't have a mask. And he's going to say, screw you. I'm coming in. And, and But that's where we're at until people feel completely safe and you or I, we may never feel completely safe. No, we may, we may feel safer, um, and pretty safe. Um, but you know, and even our sports may never be quite the same. And I'm not saying come 2021 that there won't be 65,000 people at the link again. I'm, I'm not saying that we could be at that point by then, but you know, people are going to be looking around. I really do. I really think people are going to be looking around like who's sitting next to me. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I which we never did before. We didn't. We didn't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, in flu season, you might say, "Hey, guy, don't sneeze on me." <laughs> you know, like, but we just laughed about. Well, we, you know, we went on. We, right. we just we went on about our Murray way. And if you caught a cold, you caught a cold, and you know, it's just, you know, you know what's amazing. I'm not sure you've noticed this here. I am. Today is one of those days. I, I, I'll give a recap. We were supposed to tape this earlier, and I got caught at the supermarket. And there's a new way of doing the deli and all that. And you got to explain to me what deli you went to. Acme. Okay, there's still you, you. So you can go up at Acme and play and, and say to the guy, "I want a pound of ham." He's going to slice it. Yeah, there's a. There's no way. Then there, I'm, t- I'm just telling you right now. The shop right near me. Okay, we're about a mile apart. For like a week and a half now, to, doesn't do that, and they say there's a law. They put they'll slice the meat for you and put it out, and then you pick up like a prepackaged. But I mean, I think you can call in an order, maybe. Well, yeah, you you, you, go, you have to you put it. You have to, to put an oil. Ca- you have to put an oil slip in. Okay, but I can't go up to the deli counter and say, "Hey, I'd like a like a quarter pound." No, of, you have to do. Uh, you have oh, okay. to do an order okay. slip. And you're telling me it was like it was like Beirut or something. It was it was not good. Well, it was. It was slow. Crap. Oh, okay. Uh, it was slow. Uh, but slow because there was a lot of people trying to get deli meat, or slow because uh, it was slow. I'll leave it okay. at that. Okay. Um, okay. Not enough people, maybe in the back. Gotcha. Okay. Um, was there prepackaged lunch? There was some prepackaged stuff, but the one thing my wife wanted was not. Yeah, I've run into that problem also. ShopRite puts a lot of stuff out, but like you said, my wife wanted something that they didn't have out. Right. So yeah. that's why you ended up having to go that way. Right. But this morning I had my air conditioning guy here uh, to do some work and everything. I don't know about you, but since quarantine began, there's a certain point in the day where you feel like you hit a wall. Like maybe because of boredom, maybe because of, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, I just feel like I, I hit that wall with you. 
<laughs> Here's the funny thing, Kevin. Like, I look at it this way. I'm retired. The, the money right now in my life is not an issue. So, so going to work or missing not going to work or missing getting a paycheck is not a problem. My wife has been back at work for two weeks now mm-hmm. doing virtual stuff with her kids. Right. Trying to. You know, they're, they're doing the best they can. Um, so I, I, I do feel the boredom now and again, but my life now isn't much different than it was like six months ago, other than the fact that I just can't go out. You know, I can't go, you know, well, my board, my boredom this weekend is we're cleaning the garage. I rented, I rented a, uh, I rented a, uh, pickup truck. Sure. Uh, to get the boxes from there, either to the dump or we got a public storage thing where we're putting like our Christmas decorations and all that. Cause Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from where we live, there's not a lot of storage room in your house. No. Uh, so today's been mixing that. Plus, I took an old barbecue grill to the uh, the one trash dump. So this is, I think it finally hit me how boring. Well, see, I, I feel a little guilty in the fact that I've done nothing around the house at all. But there's not a lot for us to do around the house. But there's like little stuff. You know, I mean, oh, my wife might want me to paint something or, or um, like usually I would have people I, I need to put in my in my playroom, which is our garage. We right. So, you know. People who owned it before us turned it into a playroom. My shelves fell down like about a year and a half ago. And we were going to have the guy come in and do something, put the shelves up. But, you know, obviously my son could have done it. I'm not doing it because there, there's no way I'm going to do it. Um, but I'll sit there and I'll go like, you know, geez, maybe I could have caulked that thing or something. I like I have no energy at all about that. I, I, like what I really need now, I, I'll be quite honest with you. I said this to my wife. You know, you take for granted. We went to Hawaii like three times, like every fifth, right. every fifth year. We went to Bermuda last August. I'm so glad I took her there for her birthday, her, because who knows when we'll get back. I miss a beach, like I, I just miss going to the shore for a week right. and doing nothing. You know, going playing a little golf, going to some restaurants. Veggie. I got out. lucky. I got lucky that I went that Clearwater trip the week Absolute, before. Yeah, because. You don't know when you're getting back. No. You'll get back. I mean, you, you will get back, but it no. might take a while. My wife and I have planned one trip the rest of the year. We're planning on going to uh, Lake George up in New York in October. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, I hope in October, you know, that, it, that it's good that you can go there. I mean, think about this. When do you think the next time you'll get on an airplane? You know, Mike... I, no, and I didn't take an airplane to Florida. Of your own choosing. Like, of your own choosing. I know. To I, now, I didn't take an airplane to Florida this right. time. I, but I was there a reason for that? Was there was there a reason why you didn't? Um, I, short notice, cost. Okay. I'm not the world's most comfortable. You know this. I'm not the world's most comfortable flyer. I wasn't I wasn't aware of that, but okay. Um, okay. I mean, I used to do it if you had to do it. Sure. But if you give me an option of driving somewhere and, and flying, I'm going to drive. Yeah, um, I get you. I, uh, you know, I think I think I talked about this with a uh, buddy, buddy of mine, John Finger. He used to be at Comcast. And we both were big drivers. And the idea to me was I'd much rather get on the road and get going. Well, you know me. If you were I'm, in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, let's go. Get in the car and yeah. go. If we were in Pittsburgh, if we had a, a game in Pittsburgh or a series in Pittsburgh, 
By the time you got to the airport, by the time you went through all that and everything, takes just as much. It's the time. same time, and you're constantly in motion this way. At now, some point in my life, I think I drew. I think my thing was like if it's within six hours for work. Now I'm talking about for work. Mm-hmm. If it's within like Pittsburgh, I never thought of flying to Pittsburgh after a certain point in my life. Um, but like I give you a perfect for instance, we were supposed to go to Myrtle Beach. June twentieth to the twenty seventh with my wife's best friend. They I always, I always here. drove to Myrtle Beach. Oh, I've never. Oh, I always drive to Myrtle Beach. But mm-hmm. so we're now looking at, it, and she called my wife the other day, and I said, "Hey, what a, you know, Myrtle Beach?" And they were still, I think, at least the opinion I got taught that they might still go. And I was like, "Okay," I said, "But you know," so I talked to a couple of my friends down Myrtle Beach. Hey, what's it like down there? Da, 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 da. But then I'm saying to Gene, "We Pennsylvania might not even be open by then." Or at least our part of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, but let's say on June 4th, the wolf says, hey, it's okay. Am I really going to go to Myrtle Beach like two weeks later? Like for what purpose? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can sit on the beach. I can go in the pool. I, I can be with them. There's going to be some restaurants open, I'm sure. Um, it won't be the same, but we might need, like, I don't know. I, but, just, but I mean, you know, and I looked at it, like I had, I had a couple trips lined up. I I thought, you know, obviously Lake George one is one my wife and I thought. We had thought about going to the Outer Banks this summer. That's not going to happen. Um, I arranged to go to Notre Dame Clemson in November. Yeah. That ain't happening. That's not going to happen. But see, that could happen, right? But, but I'm not comfortable okay. going. Yeah, but, yeah, okay, I hear you. Sure. Um. And this is the thing. And, you know, the airline industry, somebody from the airline industry said it could take up to three to five years for the levels to return. They're in bad shape. Yeah. They're, I mean, Delta's going to lay, some of them were talking about, like, laying off 40% of their workforce, Um, which is and, understandable. And, and, and I, I hesitate to say it this way because it's going to come out one way and it's not the way I want to come out. A lot of airlines have put themselves in a bit of a bind here because there's so little goodwill with travelers in a lot of ways because of how tight airlines have been and they squeezed every last dollar out of people and everything. And I, and I think to be honest, if people have an option of doing something else, they're going to do it. But this goes beyond that. I I think this just goes, if you want to get on an airplane, if you decide in November, I want to go to Los Angeles, I'll just pick somewhere you can't drive. You're going to go. You're going to pay more money for it because the airline ticket prices are going to go up. I mean, that's just, you know, you might be sitting next to someone. I, I You know, who, who knows? But, I mean, I'm the kind of person. I'm a, little, I'm a lot like you. Every year, Joe Giuliano used to get fascinated by this. We would have three or four trips scheduled mm-hmm. because my wife's off in the summer. So we would go to the shore. We would go to Myrtle Beach. We And then we usually go somewhere, maybe Hawaii, if it was an anniversary, a fifth year, whatever. And Joe would look at me like, how can you do all that? I said, Joe, I live for vacations. Yeah. That's what I do. You know, I, I love the week down the shore. I love the even day trips. You know, God, and, I, and now my one of my best friends works. And I was weird. Shore. And I was weird because my summers were never the time you took. Trips. Right. Because you had base. See, my summers were my time other than golf tournaments. Um, But I used to my whole summer. If there was like 10 weeks to the summer, let's say. My whole summer was plotted, pretty much. You know, the U.S. Open in June, mm-hmm. maybe the British Open in July, PGA in August, um, a local golf tournament here, a local golf tournament there, 
and three vacations. But I can tell you, I can tell you, <laughs> I went to I went to the Outer Banks in 2015 with my wife and her kids. It was the, our first vacation together after engagement and all that. Okay, it was a great time. I did it when the Phillies were on a road trip, or for the bulk of the week, except for they had a two game series against Toronto early in the week. My boss is like, "Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it." Okay. That happened to be when Chase Utley got traded. So when you're in the Outer Banks and all this is happening, yeah. you're still thinking about what's going on in your beat. And that's what made getting away in the summer very difficult. I'm not a sure guy. I'm not I'm not a Jersey Shore guy. That's just I've been a sure guy my whole life. That's why I like Myrtle Beach. Because it's basically the Jersey Shore, only better. Yeah. Um I enjoy I enjoy the Outer Banks. Way. I enjoy uh, Clearwater, I enjoy. See, part of the thing with the with Jersey, and look, everybody goes to where they have fun and, and enjoy it. For me, it's almost like the same people I see up here I would see down the shore. Yeah. I don't necessarily need to see the same people down there, down the shore that I see here. Well, the problem with the Jersey Shore We should get Big Daddy on about this It's not this what it used to be 20 years ago. And by that, I'm, I'm saying, and this is going to come out the wrong way, too. They have three months to make their money, basically. And they squeeze and every penny. And that's what they do. They squeeze every single penny that they mm-hmm. possibly can out of you with no remorse. Yeah. And that's okay. I don't blame them for that. But it was almost like I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. I'm paying, like, this much money to rent this house for the week. And now you're telling me all this stuff is going to cost more. And that's why I like Myrtle Beach. Because Myrtle Beach, you go down there it's and cheaper. it's kind of like... Well, it's the same because it, it, they, they can make their money over six months or eight months or right. whatever. So, you know, when you go to a, it's, it's not like all the prices are jacked up. And look, it's just it's the way I just think the Jersey Shore was better, but that's OK. I still like going there. What um, uh, I got one of the great questions of the world. Do you get the Jersey Shore on Memorial Day? Weekend? No, but I will say this. When I was like, uh, like early 20s around that age, we went, because my aunt had a place in North Wildwood that mm-hmm. we could rent out. We would go Memorial, 4th of July, and Labor Day. Like that, we, we went. And half the time it would rain. Uh, half the, you know, but we went because, and we did that for like a- Can't really use the water. You can't use the water sometimes in August because I, I that's one of the great things about Myrtle Beach. I can run in the ocean. Like the minute I get there, it's, you know, it's 80 degrees. Um. But I'm with you. I, I never got Memorial Day. I, I, and the other thing is, Memorial Day, 4th of July, and Labor Day isn't what it used to be. Because the now schools people go are back, back in school. Yeah. But when you're down there then. But I get 4th of July. I do get 4th of July. it's the most crowded. I understand, like, but. I don't want to be there when it's on, on those but the weather is But the weather is usually really nice. Uh, but you can do things at home on 4th of well, July. Well, yeah. I've always been. at home. I've always you know, been a home body on the Fourth of July. I mean, I've been in I've been in Pittsburgh for the Fourth. I've been in New York for the Fourth. I've been in Boston for the Fourth. Boston on the Fourth is actually kind of cool, uh, but the others are not the same. Well, Philly on the Fourth can be kind of cool. I mean, you know, oh, Philly on the Fourth is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go down. I mean, I'll watch on TV. I'm not going, but still, I mean, a lot of people seem like they have a good time. Um, but like, it's really starting to eat at me a little bit that I may not go anywhere this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to Ireland. I, I'm not sure about the Jersey Shore in August. I, 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 But I don't think about Myrtle Beach. And then I'm thinking, like, so when's, like, my next trip? 
like, cause my wife will be in school from September till, till June. I mean, really, am I talking about like June of 2021? And I'm like, Oh my God. But what am I going to do? Am I going to plan a trip around Christmas? Like between the holidays when she's off and we're going to get on a plane and go to Miami. Um, I, you know, I, like that's the furthest thing from, and that's why I like the Lake George trip for me, which is just a nice little town up in upstate New yeah. York. Well, we've been talking about one of the things we we went to Cape Cod once, like fifteen. Cape years Cod's ago. Cape Cod's beautiful, right? And and I said to her, I said, you know, maybe we should. I've never been to Maine. Uh, you know, maybe we just go up there and, and eat some lobsters and you know do whatever. But I I just don't know if like I have the um. I thought I about know. Cape. I thought about Cape Cod or, or Boston. Honestly, that was the other. Well, thing. if I'm going to go anywhere, but that's expensive. Like said, my fr- yeah. Well, I, you know what? Anymore, almost anything is. But my, my friend now lives at the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. I know I could go down there at his place. It's not a big. He's got like a little, basically a mobile home kind of, but um, right outside of Wildwood. And you know, he said to me, he goes, you, "You can come down, and spend a week with us." And I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe we'll come down and do three days or something." Sure. But, that's probably, I, I guess, if I do anything, I guess that's, you know, unless I end up in August going to Ocean City, but I I don't know because you and I don't know, you know, what kind of shapes the country going to be in in August. Yeah. We could be in good shape. We, we could be in, you know, we, we could be in really, not great shape, but we could be in good shape. We could be talking about a college football season. We could be talking about the NFL. Um I fear more – I mean, I, I do fear that when people go back and get the green light that they're, that they're going to stop doing what they've done and we may see an upsurge. Yeah, I agree. But I, just, I fear that October thing where everybody's predicting that it's going to be there and if we're not ready for it, it could be bad again. You know, and um, so that's why I'm kind of just taking everything. I mean, when I start thinking I've been, what, quarantined for, for two months. I mean, not quarantine, but, you know, you, you don't really go out much except at a shopping store or whatever. Um, Can I see myself doing another, like, three or four months of this? Like, I, we're going up to see my grandson tomorrow. My son invited us up. We're going to go up. He's going to be in the backyard. But I'm sure we're not going to be able to get within a few feet of him. No. You know, um, that's weird, man. <laughs> really is. That's weird. <laughs> I just I just... Uh, I don't know. All right, so next week, uh, we're Tuesday and Thursday, I believe. Tuesday, it'll be Deuces Rogers from 6ABC. We'll talk about kind of everything we have been talking about. I want to talk to him about doing things from home because all these TV anchors have had to basically adjust their lives to making their homes look decent. And, you know, I want to see how that's being done, you know? Well, they all have a room. All you need is one room. I mean... but equipment. Look, those guys, most of those guys have nice places. I mean, they're not, you know, they're making decent money. They're, they have, you know, most of them are going to have a room where you can go and, hey, here's my room. And, you know, I got some pictures. Yeah, I mean, you got your little man cave there. I mean, yeah. you know, um, yeah. You know, I've uh, actually thought about putting this, like, videoing this and putting it on YouTube to see if it worked. Uh, but you do, you do what makes you happy, brother. And I'm going to give you a golf report next week. I'm I am supposed to go golfing Wednesday at Glen Mills, which is a really good public course. Actually, down there, Mr. Hagen. Um, Who I talked to this week. How's he doing? Getting ready to open. Really? Yep. Wow. 
Looking, but if you're a pit master or anything interested for a job, get in touch with Paul Hagen. We we got it. Don't we have to be there for the opening? It would we be it's takeout. It's takeout only. But we still have to be there. For I it, don't we? I agree. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to figure that out. Um, yeah. we should. I mean, I know me and you getting in the car together might not be what we're supposed to do, or maybe we take two cars or. But man, I I would love to be there for his opening. Um, who who's on Thursday? Who do we got? Do we have anybody? Scott Lauber. Okay, so we're fine. But I'm going to give you a a a golf report. I'm playing with Sean O'Hare's father-in-law. Um, and if there's any golf fans that listen to us, Sean O'Hare apparently is moving to Phoenix. He's going to move to Arizona. Um, I guess you know he moved to Florida a few years ago, but it didn't work out. So I'm going to play with a good friend of mine and, and who's friends with, with uh, his father-in-law. I don't know how it's going to go. I, I have no idea uh, what it's going to be like, if it's going to be fun, if it's not going to be fun. Um, but I'll give you a report. We uh, also, uh, a couple other shout-outs. One, uh, to our buddy James Wagner. We told you the other day about him. He is now home and recovering uh, from his heart attack. So, uh Kudos the Wags. Glad to see it. And hey, by the way, do you know Chuck Betson? Yeah. He passed away. Really? Somebody uh, texted me today. I was on a group text. I can't remember. From Atlantic all the City. Yeah, and apparently, though, he had not been doing well for a while. I don't know any details. Okay, but Chuck was one of us. Right. Um. He, you know, as I said... To Mike Jansen, he was um, uh, an acquired taste, but he was a good guy, yeah. and and he made you laugh. And and we had, you know, um, he was Mister Atlantic City, Mister, you know, he was one, of, you know, that guy, the Betson connection. But yeah, I was so sad when I heard that because you know, I've been losing too many people lately. I've been, Ch- I've been getting Chuck way Bet- too much bad news, and none of it has to do with the coronavirus. Oh. It's just bad news. Chuck Betson had. Perhaps if you ever see the NFL films thing on Leonard Toes, um, Chuck Betson talking about a Leonard Toes at an Atlantic City gambling table is quite the story. Look it up if it's on YouTube. I think I think ESPN Plus may even have uh, a thirty for thirty short on it. Yeah. Um, Chuck- His line always is, "Kernman, hey Kernman, you got to ask the tough questions, Kernman." <laughs> you know, we, we, I'm supposed to ask John Cheney if he killed John Calipari or something. Yeah. But that uh, was his favorite line. Jesus. So, and we're lining up some guests for the weeks after next week. Uh, How many times were you on? Were you ever on the Betson Connection? I was never on the Betson Connection. I must I've been, been a big Mike that. Gill and Pete Thompson guy out down I, the shore. I, yeah, I must have been on that 12 times, at, le- at least over many years. Um, Yeah, it was the, the Betson Connection. You know, we, uh, I'm actually just thinking about this now. Like there's one person, and afterwards, I'll after we're done, I'll I'll let you know who I'm thinking. There's one guest I want to get on, one guest that I, before we go back into normal schedule with the quarantine, the post quarantine, there's somebody I gotta get on, and I'm actually thinking about reaching out to him. So, well, what does the quarantine have to do with it? Um, just to hear from this person, I think would be a. a I don't no, think, but what I'm saying is, what does us being doing it this way have to do with getting that person on? 
If I was sitting next to you, does that make a difference? No, 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 no. I'm saying just before we get into the regular schedule of sports. Oh, a regular schedule of sports. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I got you now. I got you. Yeah. That might not be a problem for a while. You're still, you're still negative on this one. I'm realistic, Kevin. I know. I'm, I'm never negative. They're talking about July for baseball, right? Yeah. I'm actually negative on baseball. That's still two months away from even six weeks. Six weeks. Okay, but using the word hopefully. No, but I thought it was mid-July, wasn't it? July 4th. Okay, I thought, okay, but some people were saying that was maybe a stretch. Six weeks. Um, I haven't heard anything about the NBA or the NHL. So I'm just saying, if we, on March 11th, when this (laughs) first happened and Rudy Gobert test positive, if we had said to you, because I didn't think, if I had said, Kevin, there's not going to be anything till at least July, we would have probably said, nah, that, nah, you know what, that that's not, you know, and, and, and now we're talking about, you know, we don't know about football. I mean, you know, we, we, maybe, but we don't know. Yep. Um, And then it's going to, and at some point, we'll start talking about college basketball. Yep. You know, um, and um, it, it's just... One you is. know, it's one of those things, I, Michael. Well, like I said, I this is the way I approach most of my life. And if people don't, they, they want to say, oh, you too. No, no, no. I always think, not the worst, but I think, okay, realistically, what are we kind of looking at? You know, 200,000 people going to die, 250,000, whatever. So, and that way, if it doesn't happen, I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So if we come out of this and, and you know, it, and maybe they play a full NFL season or they play whatever they do. And I can sit there and go, wow, that was great. I didn't think that was going to happen. I, But I hate people that think, oh, my God, we're going to have baseball back May 20th. And I'm like, huh? Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. And then if, if, God forbid, I say, no, you're not. Oh, you're, oh, you're, Mike, you're being. No, I'm being realistic. I told you when this first happened. I said, Kevin, this stay-at-home order is going to, yeah. People think we're going to be back by Easter? Are you kidding me? Yeah. But, you know, maybe I could have been wrong. And we're a full month now past Easter, and there's really no end. And you're going to be at least where we live at least two more weeks. I'm a little surprised, really. And again, maybe this is me, that the Jersey Shore is opening for Memorial Day only because if people do it right, I think it's possible to do it. But they're not going to do it right. (laughs) And that's and look, me and you can find a place on the beach. It's nowhere near it. Like, I can go to Strathmere tomorrow and find right. a place that's 30 yards away from anybody. But, you know, I just worried it. You know, people are going to see that green flag. Here we go. Yep. You know, let's rev that car. To summer, summer is here, and here we go. So, all right, Michael. Thank you very much. Yeah, baby. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Bob Ford for joining us here on our latest edition of Work of the Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine.